Well, welcome, y'all. Uh, if you're online, on our online campus, thanks for tuning in. There's a bunch of you out there. Uh, Brewster, welcome. Congratulations. I think your uh, baseball team is going to state Final Four, I think, again. Um, also, congratulations uh, to Schlam Baseball as well. Uh, welcome if you're sitting in the pack here this morning. All of you, thanks for being here and tuning in. Before we jump into... Um, your imperfect family and my imperfect family, I want to say just a couple things. We're trying to give you a kind of a monthly update about the community center. A lot of us don't know what's going on. Some of us know what's going on. Some of us are concerned about what's going on. Uh, four or five years ago, we decided that we wanted to uh, maybe start getting some property and build a church. And then we decided, well, that's a horrible idea because that's kind of selfish on our part. So we decided let's partner with a bunch of other people and we'll build something that benefits the entire community. So that's how the community center at Lake Chelan uh, came to be. Put together a, a board of diverse people to kind of get the thing moving. In that process, someone came in along and said, well, I'll pay and we'll put a pool in. And then there's some sand volleyball and pickleball and all that stuff outside. I don't know much about that, but I knew, do know about the building. And here's where we stand. We have raised about $12 million, all right? Six, five to six million has already been invested in, in again, I had them describe it to me like a, a, like a second grader, all right? So uh, I'm just going to do the best I can, and then I'm going to give you somebody who knows a lot more than I do, okay? So we, we've invested about five, six million in the infrastructure and the land and all that stuff. And then we've got six million over here. Just, I'm a visual learner. Six million, five, six million in the infrastructure and the foundation, blah, 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 all that right there. Then we got six million over here from foundations, government grants, everything that's coming that we get at the end of the project. And if you know, know about building all that stuff, you understand that. I, I don't necessarily understand everything. But I do know that we've got this six million in between that we're trying to raise right now. All right? Now, what we found out with everybody else in the world is COVID was uh, uh, just really unkind to us because we came out of COVID and we found out that the project was going to be 50% more expensive and 50% slower in getting it done. So currently, we're on a mission to fill in this $6 million gap. And we have some stuff working, and, and um, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. But we're inviting you all um, uh, to, in, to part of the process. So what that means is, in the next weeks and months or so, you're probably going to hear a lot more about the community center. You may get some emails from us uh, letting you know about what's going on to keep keeping you up to date. If you have questions like um, why do we start and stop and, and what's going on with the money and are you getting ripped off? I mean, those, I mean, those are all good questions. Or how soon is it going to be finished? How can I help? What else is going to be in there? Um, um, Kyle, what do you think this is going to do for our community? I mean, there's two sides. There's all kinds of questions out there, all right? Today, Ray Evans, who knows more than anybody about the community center, will be at the Connection tent right out here afterwards. Uh, she'd love, really, she'd love to talk to you and answer all your questions. Ray Evans is the clerk of the works. I think that's a term. Um, uh, I learned all these new terms in the last couple of years. Um, she's the fiduciary responsible person of our fiscal responsibility. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. I know that Ray knows everything, all right? So if you have any questions, please don't leave here uh, talking about what's going on. Stop and get 
questions answered. We're going to, the elders here at Real Life decided we really need to kind of update you all on a kind of a monthly basis. So that's what we're doing. And we continue to be very, very excited um, about where we're headed. The end. Now, uh, I'm not sure about your family. Um, I know my family, and I've bumped into a lot of your families. But I think something we all have in common is family conflict. And this could be you and your kids, you and your spouse, you and your in-laws. The the conflict comes in so many different ways. So I don't know what conflict looks like for you, um, but I do know that we all have it, but we all don't handle it the same way. How do you handle conflict in your marriage, in your family? Uh, Middle schools, high schools, how do you react to your folks when you don't agree or you're not getting your way? All right, so there's a bunch of different ways. Um, Maybe, let me throw some at you. Maybe you're the peacemaker. You think, yes, that's a good thing to be. Where you just want everybody to be fine as long as everybody's fine, everything's fine. You never deal with anything. You just make sure everybody's fine. So you just bury that down, whatever the conflict is, and you just bury it down here. Trust me. It doesn't disappear. It goes in the basement of your heart, and it starts lifting weights, and it's going to come roaring back eventually. Or you're a sulker. Um, I'm the best at this Uh, because one of the other ones doesn't work for me anymore. So you can like, okay, yeah, okay, I was wrong. You were right. And then you just pout the rest of the day and just to get attention. All right, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're a litigator. You're the best arguer in the room. You always win. Um, whatever the topic is, you're, you may, maybe you're smarter than everybody. Maybe you know how to set up your argument better than anybody, and you always win. But the problem with that is you should never win an argument with someone you love because in the process of winning the argument, you're making them a loser. I know that hits a little bit awkward for us, but that is so true. You know who won every single argument they probably ever had? Adolf Hitler, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, because they had more power. So if you think uh, the way you solve conflict in your family is by being a better arguer, man, you are pushing your kids and your spouse away, and they may stay away. Or uh, maybe you're just one of those stuffers that you have a lot to say, but you hold back, and then it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, and then you let them have it. And then you're talking about, I don't know if this ever happens to you, Kyle, why didn't you take the garbage out? And I thought that's what we're arguing about. And then she says, you never took me on a date when we were in high school. I'm like, how did we get to that? We are just talking about the garbage. And she's been holding on to that for 40 years. Uh, I took on lots of dates, by the way. Uh, or this one's the best. This is how I was raised. Uh, uh, and I, it doesn't work anymore for me. Um, maybe you're a screamer, right? My family didn't scream. We were of Italian descent. And I'm probably only like uh, 117th uh, uh, Italian, I don't know what it is, um, but uh, it's the dominant uh, cultural heritage in our family, for sure. So in my family, the more passionate you were about something, the louder you were. We didn't scream, we didn't throw things at each other, but we were loud. So you can imagine when I married Darlene, she's from a very quiet family, I think Germans, where they grunt, they don't yell. Uh, can you can imagine the first time we get married, we have a disagreement, and I just start being passionate, Kyle, like I was raised to be. And in the middle, she's like, 
demon, come out. She's like scared to death. She, she never, she's not used to that at all. All right. But I just thought, and then I'm like, I'm like all into it. And then when I was growing up with my family, my dad would be all into it. My, my mom would, would try to jump in there. My brother and I would go at each other and everything and then be best friends afterwards. I'm like, ah, and then she's not responding. So obviously she doesn't care. We all handle conflict differently. Now, last week, if, if uh, you were with us, we gave you a question that if you would ask it on a continual basis, kid, parent, whatever, even in a business, anywhere, it would radically change the relationships around you. And that question was, what can I do to help? So this morning, we want to give you, that's a general one. Like, you should use that all the time, not just in the middle of conflict. But today specifically, we're going to concentrate on what do you do in conflict? How do you handle that? And what is something that you can do to lessen the temperature and the power of that conflict? I just want to jump right into it. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of coax this kind of conflict beast out of the darkness. And then we're going to look at it and deal with it and try to figure out a solution to it. And in order to do that, we're going to go with James, the brother of Jesus, who became, who, when Jesus was on the earth, James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah's son of God. James didn't believe that his brother Jesus was sent from God to be the savior of the world till after he was crucified and after the resurrection. Then James became a huge spokesman for the cause of Christ, especially in Jerusalem. So James sits down, and he writes a letter to a, a bunch of uh, Jewish Christians who are trying to figure out their place in the world and how to live out the teachings of Jesus. And he sits down and he says, listen, I've heard some stuff, and it appears there's some conflict. Maybe in the church, maybe with each other, maybe in the families. So James sits down, he writes a whole letter. Part of it is, here's how to deal with it. And James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? That's a good question. What does cause? Yeah, if you don't know the source of it, then you won't know how to handle it. So uh, uh, we kind of really don't know the source. But if I said, what causes quarrels and fights in your house? You would have an answer, right? It's uh, your spouse doesn't listen. Uh, middle schoolers. Your parents are always butting into your life. Who are they to read your Instagram and your, your, your uh, uh, Snapchat? Um, uh, your boss is always stealing your ideas. Your roommates are irresponsible. Your neighbor's yard is a mess. Your kids are irresponsible. Your wife is never on time. Like, what causes fights? Everybody else around you that doesn't act the way they're supposed to act. Uh, and you have the sense that if your heart and soul would be at peace, if everyone would just listen to you and do what you say, So here's the thing. The approach that most of us have in a conflict is we blame. The approach is we look at everybody else and we say, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. And if you've been around with us a while, you know that every time we blame is to what? Right. Be lame. Um, it, it's not healthy. Right. But that's what we do. We, we point at our spouse or our kids or our kids to our parents and we're like, um, uh, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. And blaming never works. 
How many times have you ever had a discussion with someone in your family in the middle of a problem and said, you know, you know what your problem is? The conflict is your fault because, and then they get done, you get done blaming them and they say, thank you, honey, for blaming me. I get it now. <laughs> no, it never works. But we always, we always want to point to the other person. Now get this. As long as you continue to blame other people for your unhappiness, you'll always be unhappy. Let's say, can you see this in the back? What's this? Here, good. Man, the crowd. Normally the crowd in the back isn't as smart as the crowd down front. You guys are on it today. Nice job, all right? This is, this is your happiness. Anytime that you say, listen, I can't be happy. I, I can't be happy unless I'm happy with you. So every time you have a conflict and you say, uh, uh, Mo, you're making me so mad. Uh, I can't believe you were late or I can't believe you don't clean up your room or whatever. Basically, you take your happiness and you give it to the person who you're in conflict with. And a lot of us have had conflict with somebody a lot of our lives. And we continue to say, I can't be, I can't be happy unless you allow me to be happy. Now, here's my happiness. You're a jerk. I can't stand you. I can't stand the way you're, you're treating me. Here you go. Take my happiness. As much as it doesn't sound like it's that simple, man, we give control of people in our lives that we're in conflict with or, or, or don't even like sometimes. And we say, here, you take my happiness. Because my happiness is determined by how you make me feel. Listen, you're going to be stuck giving your happiness away. You're going to be stuck in search for happiness. You're going to be stuck searching for satisfaction and peace in your soul your, the rest of your entire life unless you'll stop and at least consider what James, the brother of Jesus, has to say. He says, what causes uh, fights and quarrels among you? And again, it's so general. Like, there's one thing. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Quarrels and fights, fights and quarrels among you. What causes that? He says, don't they come from desires that battle within you? Don't ultimately the things that you come in conflict with people. Isn't it ultimately, James says, something that's going on inside of you? We want to say, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them, it's them. And the more we do that, we say, take my happiness, take my happiness, take my happiness, take my happiness. But really, if we stopped and considered, maybe there's something going on inside of me that is causing there to be this tension and conflict. Maybe it begins inside of you. And if you'll stop, listen, I'm not saying people around you are always right. I'm not saying you, some of the people you live with are, are not pleasant people. I get that. But if you would stop and consider, pause, and think, what's going on inside of me that makes this happen? James says, the problem is this. You desire something, but do not have. You want something. You have this desire, and you're not getting it. The source of every conflict and fight and disagreement is we want something. Doesn't make you bad. Doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. Doesn't mean you're not welcome here. It's like, if you stop and consider, what is it I want? 
I'm in conflict here and I got a problem. What does it want? Now, some of you are like, uh, you lost me. All right. So for those of you that live on the same mental and um, 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 sociological level as me, let me explain it like this. Homer Simpson is at work one day and he wants to get a pop. So he stops, and of course, uh, the new Crystal Buzz uh, uh, Cola is out. So, so Homer decides, I want to get a pop, but I don't have any money. So he does like any of us would do, and he reaches up into the pop machine, and he's going to try to get it for free. So as he reaches up, he's like, oh, no, no, my, my hand's stuck. So he stays there stuck for a long time, and then he just decides, well, he's got to get home. So he starts dragging the pop machine with him as he goes. He's got this conflict, right? He's stuck in the pop machine. What's he going to do? He doesn't have anybody to help him, so he starts dragging. Well, on his way out, he sees the candy machine. And he thinks, I don't have money for candy. I'm going to reach up there and see if I can get a free candy. So now he has both hands stuck, one in the candy machine, one in the pop machine. So they call the firemen and, 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 and EMS and everybody, and they come running, and he's stuck, and they're trying to loosen him up. And finally, they say to him, Mr. Simpson, are you still holding on to the pop and the candy? He said, yes. They said, why don't you let go? And as soon as he let go, his hands came out. Anyone with me? Listen, the very thing you want you're holding on to is what's keeping you from getting what you really need and want. That thing inside you. And you're holding on, you just think, oh, I would just love this cola. I would just love this candy. You're never going to get to where you want to be, especially in your relationships, unless you let go. And James doesn't stop there. In fact, James gets real specific. He says, you desire, but you don't have. So what do you do? You kill. I'm like, wait a minute. Just calm down, James. Listen, James isn't writing to prisoners. He's not writing to people on death row or people that have broken the law. It's hyperbole. He doesn't mean that people are actually going to go out and kill somebody. But we know from our own experience or from people that we've hung out with that there are things that we say and do. Parents, listen, it's going to get real, real specific right away here. Um, parents, we kill relationships with our kids. Because we have this estimation of them or the things that we want, and we're only going to feel that we get them through our kids. So we ride them a little harder about their grades, or we push them a little harder in their sport. It has nothing, and we want to say, oh, I just want the best for them. Uh, if you stop and pause and step back and say, no, I want what the best for me. I want my kids to achieve so I'll feel good about me. I want my kids to behave and be perfect and never get in trouble because it reflects on me. Again, you, you can argue with yourself about that, like, I just want the best for my kids. Okay, maybe. But how, how many husbands power up and they want their family to be what they want it to be and they're going to lead, they're going to be the godly leader in their home and they minimize their wife and they push away their kids and they just, as long as people are following my rules, everything's going to be okay. That's a way to kill a relationship. Women who belittle their husbands. The, uh, this is a great one. Maybe this is just my issues. They are. Have you ever been, a, you're out somewhere and you're telling a story? And my, my wife really is the greatest wife in the world. And I think we, we got this down a little bit better. But I'll say, I was headed down uh, to Wenatchee the other day and I saw a blue, v, uh, blue uh, Volkswagen coming by me. 
And she says, honey, I think it was red. Now, I got issues. Because as soon as she says, honey, I think it's red, this is what I hear. You idiot, you don't know what you're talking about. So, in the process of me wanting to look better around people I'm telling the story to, I'll say something to her like, ah, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm in my, the process of killing that relationship. So, um, uh, when James says, you don't have what you want and you kill in order to get it, what is it that you're doing that's breaking down relationships? Some of you left home. Some of you left home. Went to college and haven't been back or rarely come back because something happened in your relationship. And you were so offended by your folks or somebody in your household. And listen, if I went and interviewed your parents and I said, hey, what happened? They would say, we just wanted the best for them. And deep down, they wanted, but what in reality was, they wanted what they wanted and the way they said it, the way they acted, pushed you away and started to kill the relationship. And we tell ourselves, it's them, it's them, it's them. And James is saying, it's you. So, he says, you desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. And here we are, we're back to where we started. You want something, you don't get it. You start trying to get it by force. It doesn't work. And then you find out that you live in tension, and now you're back to just fighting and quarreling. Now, let me give you a last week you said, if you could ask on a regular basis, what can I do to help? It really will change the temperature in all your relationships. Let me give you another one in the midst of conflict. And we talked about this before, and uh, I try to do it not as often as I should. But especially when it's not so heated, in the middle of a heated argument, this is going to be really difficult for you. But when conflict escalates, if you would just take a deep breath, and you've you, you got to change the system anyway. We talk about this in our real marriage groups a lot, that we get caught in this cycle, this arguing cycle, and there's a negative chase that we have with each other, and there's a positive chase that we can reverse. But basically, when you start arguing, you get in the same cycle of arguing. And if one of you would jump out of that cycle, it would change. It may not get better, but at least, at least wouldn't be the same cycle. So if during conflict, and maybe it's a new conflict or it's an ongoing one, if you would just stop and you would pause and you would just say, in the middle of this conflict, you would say, do you know what part of the problem is right now? I'm not getting what I want. That changes everything, you guys. I dare you to try it. In fact, intentionally start a fight with somebody and then be able to put this into practice today. All right? Because when you say, wait, 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 you know what the problem is right now? They're like, yeah, the problem is you're, uh, 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 yeah, I'm not getting what I want. That just lowers the temperature of everything. It changes the dynamic of the conversation. When you can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not getting what I want. What is it you want? Well, I thought we were going to go out for dinner instead of staying. I thought, I thought I didn't have to do the dishes anymore. I thought, I, I thought you were going to come home at midnight. I thought you, you said I could go to my friend's house. If you just pause, even the pausing would be great. You know what, I'm not, the promise, I'm not getting what I want. 
So, uh, James says, yeah, the, the source of our conflict is us. We want something, we don't get it. And then the damage is we start killing relationships that are important to us. And if we paused a second, it would be so much better. But here's the barrier. Here's the thing that keeps us from doing that. The thing that will keep you right now, in fact, if you're in conflict with somebody right now, you're like, there's no way I'm doing that. I get it. The thing that keeps us from doing that, the barrier is because we won't take responsibility. If you don't think you have anything to do with it, the problem, then you're going to stay in conflict. If you don't stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what is it, what is it I want right now? Why are we arguing about this? What is it I'm trying to get? If you don't stop and do that, you're just going to stay stuck. But we don't do that because of this. Let me try to illustrate it the best way I can. Let's pretend that this blue circle represents your family problems. All right? That's all of your conflict, okay? Kids with parents, parents with kids, uh, spouse to spouse, grandma, grandpa, whatever. All of your family problems, okay? That's all of them. And uh, maybe you stumble into my office and you're like, hey, we're having trouble as a family and we need some help. And you lay out all the problems. And if you're like me, I'm going to lay out all the problems. I'm going to let you know why the problems are my wife's faults, why they're my daughter's faults, everybody's fault except my son-in-law who is perfect. I'm so glad he joined our family. But everybody else contributed to these problems, right? Now, if I were to say, I understand that, and I say to you, not to your entire family, I say to you, I say to you, what's your responsibility in these problems? What's your part? Most of us, listen now, most of us will say, none. No, I go to work every day. I bring home the check. I, I mow the yard. I, I drive my kids to the practices. Uh, I take the garbage out. Uh, I, 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 show, I, I, I get home every night. I'm, I'm not out catting around. I'm, nothing. In fact, I wish I was married to me. I wish I was my kids. I, I'm, I, I like me. Most of us, especially in conflict, when you hit a pastor's office or counselor's office and you're in conflict, they're like, it's them, it's them, it's them. And none of us are willing to say, wait a minute, here's my part. Like, okay, it's 98% everybody else's part, but here's my part. Bam. There's my part. Here comes your part. Bam. All right? So that, okay, everything else in the family, it's 90% everybody else's fault. Okay, I'll take 10%. Most of us won't do, won't do that. We won't take responsibility. You know why? Because if you own a slice, you've got to be nice. If you own a slice of the problem, you've got to be nice. If you admit that you're part of the problem, then you have to lower the temperature and be part of the solution. But if you can blame everybody else around you, you don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. Listen. Middle schools, high schools, if you're not getting along with your parents, if you want something from them, own a slice. When I used to youth pastor, parents would come in and say, ah, oh, we're having trouble with our kid, blah, 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 blah. And so I'd sit down and meet, let's say her name is, oh, Sierra um, Roethlisberger. She was always in trouble. Uh, um, so Sierra comes in, and Marty and Christy are like, ah, oh, Sierra, we don't know what to do with her. We, she's gone for weeks at a time, and she stole our car, and, and um, I'm... 
she's tipping over cows. Uh, we don't know what to do with her. So I sit down, and I, the first thing I'll say is, Sierra, what do you want? What is it that you're not getting? What is it that you want? I start that way all the time. If you had all the power in the world, what, what do you want? What, what, what would you, if all the power, all the money, what do you want? And if you get to that point where she can say, oh, I want this, then I can say, listen, the way you're going about it, you're never going to get it anyway. If you'll own part of the problem, if you'd be willing to say, yeah, I could talk nicer, or yeah, I could be, a, when you own a slice, immediately the temperature and the conflict goes down, and now you're in a point of negotiation if you're a middle schooler or high schooler. Same way with the parents down to kids, kids back to, but spouse to spouse too. Listen, if one of you, and some, some of you are right in the middle of this, if you would say to your spouse, listen, I get it. I can be short-tempered. My words are harsh. I get it. I can, I, ignoring you, I've been too busy because I don't want to deal with you. Whatever. If you'll own a slice, the temperature of the conflict goes down. If you don't, and some of you, especially if you grew up in the 70s and 80s, know this because you've already thought it because you're looking at the diagram. If you don't, bam, it'll chew you up. How many saw Pac-Man there before I put it up there? Of course you did. Yeah, they're just coming. You'll just get chewed up. If you don't own a slice, you're, what's going to change? When is it going to change? And there's a sense that, okay, if they would just do what I want them to do, everything would be fine in my life and I'll be happy. Come on. Now we're just back to where we were. Or you're, some of you are like, man, I wish my husband was here to hear this. My kids better be awake and pay attention. We're just back to where we started. It's them, it's them, it's them. No, it's you. Even if everybody, all the problems are somebody else's fault, if you just own a slice of it, everything would change. If you would just stop and say, hey, 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 I think I know what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want. The temperature goes down. One last thing. James continues, and he says, and you know what? You don't have, things aren't going the way you want them in your relationship. You have conflict. You don't have it because you don't ask God. And if you're here and like, you're new to church, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is all brand new, or you haven't been here to a church in a long time, this is a good place to stop and just say, wait a minute, God. Maybe, maybe there's something to connecting with the God of the universe who sent a Savior on your behalf. Maybe there's something to consider as you live out your life. Maybe that God isn't some distant thing out there or some religious thing that spiritually you can't even get a hold of, but maybe it's a practical way of being loved and caring and then learning to love and care for other people. That's something to consider. But if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, you've got to pay attention to this. Because James says, the reason you're struggling is because as you are heading towards a conflict, you just put your head down and you just start swinging. What if the solution was to take it to God first? This may be a 10-second process. Your husband says something to you and, and you don't like it and you're just ready to get it. Listen, fatty. That's, that's right here at my house. Listen, fatty. <laughs> Listen, bald preacher boy. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, and so I say something, and Charlene's getting ready to fire back. What, what if one or both of us just stopped and said, okay, God, I need some help here because I'm about ready to let loose? Breaks the cycle of your conflict. But what if you just stopped and said, wait a minute? You don't, well, maybe you should. In the middle of the fight, just drop right to your knees and start praying. Well, that would change the tenor of the relationship too. But what if you stopped and said, God, this makes me mad. This makes me feel left out. This makes me feel unwanted and loved. I feel insecure. I feel like I'm not being hurt. I feel put aside. God, I'm leaning into you first because the next thing I'm about to say is probably not going to be pleasant. And that works immediately. Or if you're in the middle of a conflict, why don't you just stop and say, God, help. And not change that person, but God, would you change me? Because here's the thing. Most of us are trying to get what we want from somebody that only God Almighty can give us in the first place. We are trying to get acceptance and love and security from a real messed up and broken person around us. And the only place we can really, really get that is through connecting to God through Jesus. Now, I know you can have good relations and everything, but ultimately, that's where the source of soul satisfaction is found. And you'll always be in conflict if you're trying to get that from another person. James wraps it up and he says, listen, when you ask and you talk to God, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So you pause and you think, okay, God, yes, God, help me win this fight and help me tell the person how worthless they are. Well, that's not a real great prayer, right? God, help me get what I want. Help me push the needs of other people's side so I can get what I want. That's a horrible prayer, and God's just going to sit there and thank God he doesn't give us everything that we pray for. Listen, as we wrap up, I want to give you a, a couple next steps that, to kind of practically put this in, into action. I feel, I can't feel what's going on, on the, uh, online and in Brewster, but I feel like this is just an uncomfortable awkward conversation because some of us have been hurt and broken by people we cared about in our lives and when you hear me talk about resolving conflict or dealing with conflict that brings all that stuff back up next Sunday next week we're going to talk about how to reconcile with people who we have said couldn't care less about them I don't care anymore I, I gave up we're going to talk about that next week but this in the middle of conflict, it's just not a fun subject. So let me give you three next steps. On the blue card that you can find online, the connection card online, or in your bulletin in Brewster or here in Chelan, uh, there's next steps. And the blue card we use all the time, if you want to com uh, communicate with us, if you want to sign up for something, if you have a question about something, a prayer request, that's how we use the blue cards. cards are very important. The connection cards are very important. You can find that uh, on our church app. You can find it on the website, uh, online couple places, all right? But the next steps are on there too. Let me give you three. A, apologize for the pain your blame has created. This is a tough one. Stop and look at your immediate family first and 
Maybe it's grandparents and others that, you, that goes out. But you stop and say, wait a minute. Who have I been trying to get something, squeeze it out of these people around me that really only God is going to provide for me anyway? Who has my words and my actions affected so much that it's starting to slowly deteriorate and maybe kill the relationship? Who in your family is suffering because you're not getting your way? That is a tough one. That's a tough one. Listen, I'm old now, all right? My kids are out of the house. They're fairly stable. Not in prison. But we have conversations all the time, and they're more one-sided with them talking to me, listening, about ways I could have said and done things differently as they were coming up as middle schoolers and high schoolers. And they're Right? few years ago they started to do that and I would get defensive like hey I meant well or you kids were jerks wait, 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 <laughs> something loving like that I mean I would start getting defensive and finally you just had I just maybe you don't I had to get to a place where I just owned that yet yes yes I wanted what I wanted for me in the name of I'm going to raise my kids to be God-fearing and good citizens and everything, thinking I was doing the right thing for them, really, when I stepped back, I really wanted what I wanted because it's what I wanted. I know it's difficult. But maybe start with, okay, who is probably not doing well because I keep trying to get something out of them that they can't give me, and I probably can only get from God anyway, so now I'm disappointed and they feel broken and, and, and worthless because they can't provide what I need, and it's just a bam, 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 bam. Man, what would happen with your kids or your spouse if you stopped and said, listen, I just want to apologize because I'm sure that I'm causing pain and hurting the relationship because I'm kind of blaming you for stuff that's going on inside of me. That would change everything. Very difficult thing to do, but at least worth considering this morning. Two, in that process, the stuff that you want and it's not getting met, take your unmet expectations to God. It took me a long time. I've talked about this in uh, marriage series and everything, and Darlene and I are pretty open about the counseling we did and everything. Uh, this this was marriage life-changing for me when I realized that the things I wanted from Darlene were only going to come from God Almighty and that I was causing the rift and division and conflict. And I just, I'm like, no, I just want to be close to Darlene. And really, I wanted her to make me feel whole, her to make me feel secure, her to make me feel loved unconditionally. And it's impossible for her to do. So if you stop, which I do all the time, say, okay, God, this is your thing. I'm feeling this now. I need you, God, to come in. Yeah, I'm struggling over here. Okay, this is bigger than Darlene. This is, this is a you, God Almighty thing. 
What happened if the thing you're struggling with, with your kids not responding the way you want them to or not acting the way you want them to or your spouse not doing what you want them to, what would happen if you said, okay, wait a minute. God, there's something I want and I'm not getting. So I'm going to you as the source of all good things. Finally, give up and get what you need from God. If you're here and you're like, ah, I've been to church in a while, I haven't been to church ever, or this is all new to me. Listen, I, I, I'm not sure how to dis- describe this r- really well, so I'm just going to attempt at, at this illustration. Is you can jump in and try to handle conflict. And you can try to put some of this stuff in action if you're not connected with God Almighty, if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you don't know what it means to be uh, receive forgiveness from Jesus on your behalf, that 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 all the junk in your life that has blocked you from connecting with God, that that's been removed because of your faith in Jesus. If you haven't realized yet, then you can attempt to do this stuff. And some people can do it better than others. But I just feel like if you have a task to do, maybe you're, you're out in your wood shop and you want to uh, create something. So you, you, get your, your, um, you, you get your saw out and, and uh, your, your uh, skill saw and you're going to just... Well, you decide you're going to do that, but you're not going to plug it in. All right? You got no electricity. It's not battery operated. So you're going to say, I'm going to cut this board. You know what? You might be able to get a cut. <laughs> I mean, you may be just you move faster. It may, may take you days and just keep trying to figure out how to cut a board with a skill saw that's not plugged in. But how much easier it is when you plug it in and you hit the trigger and it's like, and you're like, what's that sound? That's a sound of power that you don't have within yourself. That's the sound of a skill saw working the way it's supposed to work. That awkward example is just enough to say, until you're able to plug into the creator of the universe who sent Jesus Christ's own son on your behalf to sacrifice for your sin, even though you don't understand complete what that means, the relationship with you and God is available to you now and everything removed except your decision to follow. When you do that, you are plugged in to a sense of power and ability and security that you can't find out by yourself. I'm praying that you find that. That that begins today. I'm going to turn the service back over to Billy and Brewster. Thanks, you guys. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus Helps to understand, again, for the first time, your love for us proved by the gift of Jesus on our behalf. God, ask for peace in our hearts, those of us that are in the middle of conflict and just churning. I ask for a little peace, and I ask that you would help us to pause in that process and get some new perspective. God, thanks for loving us no matter what, no matter how we act, no matter how we fight, that you love us and care about us anyway. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Please, Ray is out at the Connection uh, uh, desk. Marcia is out there too if you have other questions. But if you have community center questions, please stop by and talk to Ray. Thanks for being here. See ya. Love ya. Bye.